0: This is The Strategist, episode 988. My name is Zane Belcher. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, happy Sunday. What's going on?
1: I got admonished. <laughs> I got admonished
2: yeah. <laughs> at <What are laughs> the beginning of the episode.
0: Carter? You're so bad at this.
1: I got a stern talking to. I got a stern talking to because I was making a joke before we went on because we always used to make jokes. You remember we would do the whole hand signal thing and we would uh, make jokes, mostly at your expense, Zane. And now we're making jokes at Corey's expense. He's less fine with it. He doesn't seem to. He's like, seriously, we got to go live. Yeah. The the thousands of people who are waiting for us online can wait another 30 seconds. Right.
0: Right. People who are online. Uh, I personally agree. Corey Hogan. I personally agree. Corey Corey does not seem to agree. His facial expressions right now really indicate that he does not agree with us, Carter.
1: He's he's really upset about how much noise I'm making. Uh, I'm drinking water. Like the the expectation of the show being better than it's ever been has never been higher with Corey than it is right now. Now that we're taking money for it. like Come on.
0: Carter, do you want to talk about our Edmonton show? (laughs) With that being said, Carter, do you want to to talk about our Edmonton show?
1: Speaking about (laughs) taking money for it. Um, Working together with the Maharaja Banquet Hall, 925734A Avenue Northwest oh, good. in Edmonton, oh, can, I get you, can I just
0: pause right there? Um, Carter, did you know that you did a perfect South Asian advertisement read right now? As someone who's consumed years of local South Asian advertising on a variety of platforms, the address is a must-include item, and the fact that you included it, Is fantastic. I just want to let you continue, please.
1: I actually was basing this entire thing on a South Asian read, but now you've broken up. Uh, At starting at 8 o'clock on Thursday, May 19th, The Strategist Live will be in Edmonton. We've opened up a few more tickets, limited number. Limited number. Make sure you get them quickly uh, because we've already sold out once and we've been able to open up additional tickets uh, and and we anticipate selling out again. Uh, So make sure you buy them quickly now. There will be a cash bar. As you know, I will be there, which I believe is the biggest draw, and Zane and Corey as well. And it's apparently Bring Your Own Lassie, B-Y-O-L. So we are looking forward to doing our show.
2: Carter, what's Lassie? What's a Lassie? It's like Uh-oh. a
1: shitty milkshake is what it is. It's not what? a good milkshake. Oh, okay.
0: That's yeah. okay. All right.
1: The mango lassies aren't bad. Not, a bad. not a Not a. fan of the rest, though.
0: Okay, now, now uh, in Hindi, please, Carter, the whole thing. In Hindi. Fuck. Don't know. To... Let's not get him canceled. <laughs> Let's not get him
2: canceled. Let's go. Uh, yes, we were sold That's out. That's the
0: energy, by the way, Corey was breaking for
1: the show. So anyone wanted to know. We got it admonished was... again. <laughs> it was that sort of energy. What happened to a yeah. three-way equal partnership?
0: It was never. <laughs> what happened to that? It was never. You're just, you're just now aware of it. Uh, Corey, do you want to jump in on anything? Uh, was you, sold live out. Live show.
2: Yeah, board uh, tickets
0: available. It's going to yeah. be a humdinger.
2: Gonna be a crazy um, time. Yeah. It's the day after the results of the UCP leadership review. I mean, even yesterday we had more reporting about uh, accusations of bulk vote buying. This is gonna. I mean, hold on to your butts. It's gonna be. There fun. is no
1: way that we can guarantee that anybody will will be going to jail that night. But we're we, you know <laughs> nonetheless, no, no,
2: you don't know. No.
1: You don't know. Maybe maybe Jason gets arrested that day. We don't know. And if Jeez. that happens, you'll want to be where the Maharaja from 8 p.m. till 10. Cash bar. Get there early. Drink
0: lots. (laughs) Now I'm with Corey Carter. I don't know. Too far? I don't know if going live with the show is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um, I I will say, I will say that unlike the UCP leadership race, actually, I should say, like the UCP leadership, we also let you bulk buy. Uh, So buy as many tickets on one credit card. We do not care. Uh, it it does not matter to, it does not matter to Steven and I, at least it may matter to Corey, but it doesn't matter to the two of us buy as many tickets as you would like. I mean, until we're sold out again, knock on wood, uh, with, with with a great gift.
1: Yeah, they do. They make a great gift. So everybody that you've bought a membership for in the UCP leadership, you can buy them a a ticket to this podcast recording. Could uh, be great.
0: I think it's great. You just, you know, you you find a friend, you drop off some mango Lussie to them. It's Lussie, not Lassie, <laughs> Carter. That's fine. Uh, and, 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 I and any nailed
1: it. the pronunciation. No, you, I think you're, you're correcting pretty good. me for you nothing.
0: Know, what, you, what you nailed was the address. The inclusion of the address, I think, was Damn right top notch there. <gasps> Guys, let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, the strategy scale. Guys, we have so many things strategy to talk about. Strategy
1: scale. Okay. Oh,
0: we've got so many things to talk about from the conservative leadership race and the can we call it fallout? Can we call it how well it's aged? It's questioning to to how well it's aged to Alberta politics, as Corey mentioned, to Justin Trudeau being in Kiev to the Ontario election. There is no so shortage. Much. There's no mm-hmm. shortage of of topics to talk about. And I haven't even talked about Pierre Polyev and cryptocurrency uh, <laughs> and David Dodge on CTV's question period uh, saying Pierre Polyev has no idea what he's talking about. And it's a bunch of bullshit. Um so much to talk about, but guys, let's start here with our strategy scale. And for those who are not familiar with this segment, I run down topics. I asked Stephen and Corey to give it a ranking on terms of strategy between one and ten. Uh, how good is the strategy? How good is the move? And then we discussed amongst each other. Uh, you could also discuss at home. We just won't be able to hear you. It's just that sort <laughs> yeah. of just that sort yeah, of medium. Uh, we don't we don't stop we don't we don't stop the participation. We also don't give credit for participation. So feel free to participate at home, but we will participate here and we'll discuss how we kind of upgrade that strategy, how we make it better, what would make it better, what would have been an alternative take, what would you have done, et cetera. And Carter, what do I always say? There is no better way to get started than to get started. And there's no better person to get started with than Corey Hogan. So Corey, we're going to start with you. Our first one is going to Ontario. We're taking a bit of a trip to Ontario with this particular ad that is being released and that has been released by the Ontario PC campaign. So, Corey, we've now got this wild, anotherworldly ability to play clips. This is crazy. People are actually taking They're a shit on me for, for my preparation. Andrea Horvath's oh, NDP are out of touch. They fight against building new roads and highways to end gridlock. They oppose building more homes that families can afford. They attack plans to open Ontario and want to keep it locked down forever. Her NDPers protest, criticize, and delay getting things done at every turn. Because that's what Andrea Horvath demands they do. The NDP would be an expensive disaster for Ontario. Just like they always have been. Authorized by the CFO for the Ontario PC Party. I want to talk about that ad. I want to talk about that ad from two distinct angles. Carter, the first angle, let's talk about it in terms of the Doug Wait, Ford Wait, wait a minute. So you yeah. just hey, went hey. to me first, literally Mostly, to hit play? No, no. when it. you said nah, you're coming to me yeah. first. I, I did, but then you know what happened is that I was actually teeing I, up. I, I, I was teeing, I up. I was teeing yeah. up the ad. And you know what? You you actually <laughs> prematurely started playing. So as a, a premature fuck play. You to you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as a fuck you to you, Corey, you get sidelined. Okay, you get to build off on Carter. Corey, (laughs) between you and I, it's going to be pretty pedestrian and you're going to have a lot of opportunity. Okay, Carter, (laughs) on a scale of one to (laughs) ten, the Ford strategy here, I find it fascinating. Maybe you find it fascinating yeah? because the the liberals seem to be second in the polls. This is an ad attacking currently the official opposition or the official opposition, but a third place party. What do you think of the strategy on a scale of one to ten, Carter? And then let's talk about it.
1: I want to give it two answers and I want to give it an answer as though they're, as though their numbers are correct, as though they know mm. something that we don't know. So that would get that, that number I give them was probably about a seven. And then the other one that I would give them is about a three because, um, so th- the seven answer is there's a lot of. You know, blue, orange switching votes, right? Votes that we, we don't understand how they move through the, the you know, the ideological spectrum of left to right when, when you, you just bounce back and forth. How can they possibly do that? And by we, but you mean you
0: and I, right? Corey will, right, of course, like, explain it to everybody. Corey,
1: Corey will explain it. He yeah. understands it better because he was a liberal. Now he's an orange. No, never mind. I can't understand what's going on. Uh, hmm. but here's what's happening. The, the, they're trying to get people to step down from Horvath thinking that they will move. To the PCs, Um, and they must have some data to support that, because the other option is that they are trying to move voters away from Andrea Horvath. And I think the weakness of this ad is that it doesn't do anything to move them to the Ontario PC Party, and that's where I think that the weakness really shows itself. Because if this ad actually had been a contrast ad rather than a simple attack ad, um, this could have put forward. A the PCs want to build affordable housing, but NDP stands in the way. The PC want to build highways for you to, to travel on and the NDP stand in the way. The PCs want it to be more affordable for you, but the NDP stand in the way. That would have made more sense for a switch ad. This one feels like they are switching people off without necessarily turning them on. And that 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 makes me nervous because I think that uh it very easily could shift NDP voters into. Uh, The Ontario Liberal Party, which would be uh, disastrous for the PCs, given their polling structure.
0: It it would. What you're saying, Carter, is that if it is indeed the latter, if indeed the cookie does crumble in that direction, that it doesn't magnetize people to the PCs, this could actually be doing the Liberals' work for them of coalescing. That they've been uh, that that progressive primary that's been talked about in the Ontario election, even prior to the election being called. This could kind of help in that direction, and that's what you give it a three, and you say it's a seven because there's this universe. Of orange blue switchers that this could be targeting as a strict contract, not a strict as a strict negative, I should say.
1: Well, this could be running in in select you know select areas, right? It could sure, be sure. being pushed uh, where where there is no real uh, strong liberal candidate. Uh, we don't know enough about the ad, uh, but what this feels like to me is an Americanized attack ad. Uh, probably, you know, it even feels to me like it's written by an American, and it is targeting you know, the the new Democrats, like it's a two-party race. Anybody that you lose, I'm going to gain. And I just don't feel that that's necessarily the case in this in this situation.
0: Corey, I need your take on this. Uh, scale of one to 10, the Ford strategy here targeting the Horwath, uh, Horwath NDP rather than perhaps going after who might be second in the polls. What do you think? And what's your answer? And do you have a two-pronged one like Carter does?
2: Well, there's a lot that could be going on here. And Stevens right that we just don't know enough about how the ad's being used or how it's being targeted. So maybe it's a, it's a poorly targeted ad and maybe mm. it will help the, uh, you know, the liberals move forward, or maybe it's running nowhere and maybe they are trying to make it look like they see the NDP is the real threat to push people to the NDP from the liberals and try to create some chattering amongst the chattering classes. It, that's also a real possibility. So it's, it's hard to say without digging a little bit deeper into how it's being run and who it's being run towards, um, I I do think one of the things about modern campaigns and how digital they are is you do have an immense ability to target, right? So you can run certain ads with certain people and not worry too, too much about the bleed outside of those communities, or at least not nearly as much as you had to worry about when there were only four television channels back in the 1980s, right? So there there are options here that may allow this to be an effective tactic. The actual content and construction of it was really interesting to me too. It is a classic America style attack ad, mm. right? Even the music in the background, that whoa, As you know, you have these these scary looking black and white photos of Horvath, and uh, you know these really blunt, very direct things like they, they. It would be a disaster to Ontario, as it always is, or something like that. Mm-hmm, Just like mm-hmm. kind of the the shittiest, most kick you in the in the balls phrasings that you possibly could have, and so. Maybe this is just politics now, right? Uh, But it was certainly quite aggressive, and it was interesting because it leads to many questions about what the strategy is, if not answers.
0: Carter, from your perspective, do you feel like the risk-reward of something like this, from a perspective of – I acknowledge what both of you are saying, that this ad may have a much more narrower target than – me pulling it out of the internet, which by the way, this was an unlisted ad on the Ontario PC, an unlisted video with only a couple hundred views, right? The reason I found it, because it was linked in an article. So they very likely could have been, to your point, specifically targeted, right? Not meant for mass consumption. But Carter, the risk reward to have it now out there to be reported in the mainstream media, to be talked about on a podcast like ours, right? I don't try to make this more too much of a meta conversation, but as a campaign practitioner, to have this sort of leakage, if your strategy is narrow casting a particular message like this, is a risk reward worth it if this was meant for a specific audience?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a real big fan. I mean, negative campaign ads work. So let's start there. Okay. So I'm not opposed to the idea yeah, yeah, of that. Neg- you, yeah, you were opposed <clears throat> to
0: this ad. So I, make sure you include that in your answer.
1: Well, I, I you think you opposed you're to chopping the construction off- of this ad. Uh, the, it's not the construction necessarily. It's the fact that it's a three party race and it really is a three party race. Wow. I mean, the NDP, I think the Ontario NDP in the last polls I've seen are, are well over 20%. The uh, Ontario Progressive Conservatives are just over 30. Uh, I think the, then the Liberals are wedged in the middle, you know, like 24, 26, 32, I think. Um, this literally could move any, any direction. Um, and, and the outcome could be, Decided very you know, in a very challenging way. And on top of that, you know, we're not really sure what the seat projections look like, right? We could we could see really interesting seat outcomes. Um, and a minority government, who's the NDP going to prop up? You know, it, it's not going to be the the PCs. I just think that this is an a, a really aggressive attack ad, which I don't oppose, but. You need to move those people somewhere, and you need to have a a very strategic outcome in mind and it feels to me like this was just wants to move people off the NDP, and maybe there's something that comes next that that they've tested that that will come in and pick up those those loose NDP voters. But I think that's a hard get uh for the Doug Ford conservatives, and I think that it was an easier play to just do a simple contrast. We're going to do this, they do this, we can do this,
0: they can do that. Corey, you want to jump in on this?
2: Yeah, look, there's going to be areas of Ontario where people are switching between uh, the New Democrats and the PCs and the Liberals are a distant third. This was, as you noted, not something that was widely distributed. And so I, I can see a lot of utility for it in a lot of different contexts. Mm. I, I would imagine if you're the Ontario PCs, you are prepared for this election. This election is as you knew it would be. You've filled the pantry. You've got ads that are probably the equivalent of this for the liberals. You've got ads for the NDP. You've got ads that knock them both down if it's a three-way race. And so I wouldn't I don't on its surface read too much into it. I think it's interesting. And I think it mm. uh it leads to questions. But I also feel that one of the other things that can happen when there are so many ads out there is parties get to pick and choose which ones get foregrounded. And sometimes they can pretend that they don't want the foreground. like, oh, you caught us. We're actually very worried about the NDP. Mm. All of our polls show those are the ones with momentum. Maybe they get five points uh, at the Ontario Liberals' expense, and Doug Ford just sits there triangulating between the two of them. Totally right. possible.
0: And maybe that's what I was trying to hit on, is there could there be some maybe two-step strategy here to what you're saying, that, that things like this getting reported, talked about, could reframe the conversation against their principal opponent if they do indeed believe it's the Liberals and shine sure. a light to the NDP. So
2: let me tell you why, one reason why I think maybe and one reason why I think probably not. So mm. on the maybe is it's the early days of the campaign. And the early days of the campaign are when you get to do your strategy in the purest form before you get knocked off strategy and you have to start reacting and adapting and changing as you move sure. on. So it's quite possible that somebody somewhere said, all right, we've got this strategy. We want to stay right in the middle. You know, we want to keep these liberals and these new Democrats roughly even with each other all the way through this campaign. And so if we see at the start of the campaign, the liberals are pulling ahead of the NDP, we're going to pull out this ad. And if we see at the start of the campaign, the NDP are pulling ahead of the liberals, we're going to pull out this ad, right? And just sort of uh, be ready for that in week one. And so it, it doesn't stretch my imagination and it doesn't get me into an incredulous place to say that very well could have been the plan. If after week one, Party A's up, release ad A. Party B's up, release ad B. Totally possible. Totally, totally possible. Thing is, though, there is a bit of an Occam's Razor thing here, which is ads are targeted and they made an ad and that ad went targeted towards somebody. So, while well, I don't think it's beyond the Ontario PCs to leak out an ad and make it look almost like they were caught with an unlisted ad showing that they were actually concerned about the <laughs> right, MVP. Right, right. You know, the most, the most obvious answer is probably the right one, which is they have an ad for some circumstances. And they're going to use that ad in those circumstances.
0: Corey, I'm going to stick with you for our next one. I want to talk. Uh, I want to go from Ontario to Alberta. Well, actually, not really, because I want to talk about Alberta. Well, the guy I want to talk about was in Ottawa, and that's Jason Kenny. And I want to talk about the strategy scale for Jason Kenny now doing punditry commentary about the conservative leadership debate. He was interviewed on CTV's Question Period, saying, you know. This was a feisty uh, first face-off, but my advice to all candidates is, would be to remember, whoever wins, you've got to unite the party at the end of it, and you've got to be respectful about it, and try to be respectful <laughs> about it. It's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's like, no,
2: it's, it's the, actually very smart. I think it's a very smart strategy by so Jesse give, it, give it
0: to give it yeah. to me, Cor, Cor, give it to me straight on strategy scale one to 10. Tell me what's going on. And why in your perspective, it's the oldest
2: communications trick in the book, I, like it's the oldest speech trick in the book. It's to talk about yourself while talking about somebody else or vice versa. Right. And so every comment he's making about the need for unity and the need to get together and the need not to forget your one party, he's actually talking about the Alberta UCP. And he's trying to make his point without making it seem like it's utterly self-serving. And that's fine. I actually think that drawing that parallel is not a bad one because a lot of people will have looked at that federal debate and said, that was pretty wild. And is this party going to stay together? And what are the consequences of that? And if he can get people thinking in that frame as they also cast the vote and also cast their minds forward to what might happen on May 19th if he wins, but there's still people who might be unhappy about it, all the better. Why not? It, it works just fine, and he was there, and it can serve a purpose for him. So I, I don't have a problem with it. It is crazy meta. It is just so funny, <laughs> and it's uh, but it's a way to get an argument out there that he wants to make, hooking it onto news of the day, making it seem less
0: self-serving. So why the hell not?
2: Pretty I'm coming tactic. to you,
0: Carter. I'm coming to you. I know you're champing at the bit, Corey. I need to ask you: Do you feel like by doing that? Okay, let's extend this as like the strategy. He's also trying to insert Jason Kenny as part of a larger comparison to the other candidates on stage, the shit show that that was, that was that debate and kind of make people, because the only constituency that really matters to him right now is the very narrow one back here in Alberta, who might've been watching that debate nationally. Do you feel like he's also trying to insert himself as one of like a hologram Kenny on that stage in some ways to be like, just make sure you compare me to the rest of the the clown car that is the national party and understand like, you know, Understand truly what you got. Do you feel like that's part of it too? Or am I going too far?
2: I think you're going too far. I I think what it is, is like, yes, Alberta is 10% of the population of the country, maybe 12%, uh, probably 20, 25% of the population of the Conservative Party of Canada. And those are the most motivated members who are going to be watching a, a debate like that. A lot of crossover between UCP membership and Conservative Party of Canada membership. It's just an opportunity to jump
0: into something that everybody's watching and make the point that you want to make. Carter, scale of 1 to 10 on the strategy scale. I feel like I've only gotten one answer so far, but who gives a fuck? Carter, you're going to give me an answer. You're going to give it to me. Scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving Kenny on him inserting himself into conservative leadership debate, commentary, conversation, etc.?
1: You're going to remember, Zane, that my advice to Jason Kenny was to disappear. Do the work. Don't, don't put yourself, don't put yourself yeah. into the, into the public eye. Don't put yourself into the position where everybody's looking at you and, and thinking that they're going to see something uh, interesting or, or you know, like that, that's not really what he should be doing right now. I, I don't like him doing this. Um, not because I dislike Corey's strategy, not because, you know, the, what Corey's saying isn't true or possible or real, you know, all of that could happen, but I just dislike this because I want him doing the calls, right? He could say this to, you know, 150 organizers this weekend. He could say this to, to, to others. He doesn't need to, to pick up the, you know, sit on, um, you know, the, in, on the national show for Evan Solomon and, and make a, make a point. Can, that that to me seems too far.
0: Can I ask you this Carter, and I'm not going to uh, interrupt you again, uh, but, well, that's not <laughs> likely. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Why make promises like I can keep yeah, I can't keep exactly. But Carter, was the problem for you that he went to Ottawa, like to begin with? That like, why is this guy who's living for his political life right now? Why is he even in a city several thousand kilometers away? Was it was it just that premise that bothers you, or is it the, the step above that that's actually bothering you, which is actually making himself public, known access to interviews, <laughs> etc
1: two schools of thought with someone like jason kenny every time he appears on television he does better or he does worse right i think he does worse every time he appears in the media i think he comes across like a pompous asshole uh and i say that being a pompous asshole so it's you know i'm I'm near to the idea i'm near to the idea of pompous asshole And, and why put yourself there why not pick up the telephone the man is sincere in on one in in one to one communications, he is empathetic in one to one communications. He is got he is larger than life in one to one communications. Put yourself there instead of putting yourself into the petulant role of telling everybody what's at stake for a race that you're not in and isn't going to impact you.
0: Corey, I, I need your res- your response and maybe even retort to that, Corey.
2: Yeah, I you know the
0: advice that he should disappear and do the
2: work was advice we both gave and there were two reasons yeah. that that advice was given one is literally do the work find yourself the time sit at a phone and do the work and he's obviously falling down a bit on that if he's going to uh, conferences in ottawa uh the other is that you don't want to look desperate by having this last ditch appeal so what i like about this is it's a way to make the final appeal without looking desperate because it's all subtext and it's all you know it's weirdly referential but it's not direct so Uh, That's okay, but Carter's right. He's not, you know, necessarily doing the work if he's in Ottawa. I doubt that the people who go to a Manning Center conference, Canada Strong and Free conference, Uh uh are anybody but the people who voted the very first minute they got their ballot, regardless of which way they were voting. You know, this is not an undecided crowd, so I don't think there's a lot of votes to be got there. But. I also think that he's trying to act like he's already got it. So he he's decided that his communication strategy is supported. His strategy overall is supported by looking like, this is not actually a thing. I got this. No big. Moving on. Right. There's not a groundswell. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see next week. Right? But, um, but
0: well, I need to ask no. you,
2: though. What do you make of
0: that strategy? Because he's actually almost explicitly like said that no, to, to like Rick Bell in a column. Yeah. Right. He said yeah. to Rick Bell saying, like, I'm confident. I feel good about I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me. But like those notions of like, I'm feeling good. We're feeling good. Like we got this, like sort of vibe. So I don't like it at
2: all. If it's going to change your actual behavior, I think it's fine as a message to a guy like Rick Bell. I think it is very problematic if it means you're going to lose a weekend before the vote and not be working the phones in the way Stephen Carter was talking about. Because it's super easy to say, no, I'm not going to Canada strong and free this year. I'm the premier of the province of Alberta. I've got shit going on. Right like your absence is not immediately suspect it's it's simply not, and so you should uh you should just have stayed home and worked the phones and tried to get those last votes because you are really going to regret it if you lose uh you know forty nine point nine percent
0: Carter, you want to jump in here
1: I mean if you're gonna win in a landslide if you if you're super duper confident, why are you auditioning to be a pundit? You know, like there's pun like that. that's essentially what he's doing. He's like, you know, I can really do this pundit job. I really, you know, the strategists won't have me on theirs, but maybe there's going to be a spot on Hurley Burley. I can get myself into um, if Jenny Byrne wins the leadership here. She's going to be off working with Pierre and I can I can jump into that slot. Um, why would he do that? Like <clears throat> he's supposed to be, if, if he's comfortable that he's going to win. Um, first of all, if he's comfortable, he's going to win. He's an idiot. Uh, that's not the way that politics works. Politics works best when you are fighting like you are, you know, a hundred votes down, and you're trying to find a way just to hang on. That's how politics works because the other guys work in that way. And we've seen countless examples of people giving away leads. Um, you know, I mean, countless examples. So why would you do that? Just get out of the way. Allow um, allow yourself to do the work that needs to be done. And allow the conserv- federal conservative party to do what they're doing. That, you have no is- role in
0: that. This is interesting to me this this particular question of doing the ver- doing the actual like work on the phones on the ground versus how you present right because Carter there could be the other sort of like this is a big deal acknowledging that I'm saving my political life and and I'm on the phone all the time right like I understand the shit I'm in, I understand the challenge in front of me and I want to do everything to earn people's respect and trust and ensure I win this thing versus maybe doing all that. And showcasing this, I got this, right, both in both in, in media interviews and flying across the country being like, by the way, right, like still, I'm, I'm still one of the conservative uh, brain trusts, uh, leaders in this country. I'm here like, you know, you have access to my brain, you have access to me, like I still lead this movement in many ways. I'm kind of curious, like that sort of like, hey, I'm going to work for it versus like, I'm going to be chill about it vibe. What would you – I feel like I know what you'd recommend. Corey, if you were kind of allowing your leader, in this case, Jason Kenny, let's make it particular about him. Yep. What would you tell him to lean into in that sense? I mean, it feels like such a cop-out. But again, he's going to have the
2: data. He's going to know whether he's got a big lead or not, uh, whether there are actually thousands of votes that have been sitting there on one credit card or not that he can count for on himself. But the reality is – um. That's the kind of thing that only a very, like, just show, okay, let let me put it this way. You go to this event, you walk around, you act as though you're the leader of a movement and mm-hmm, you're just mm-hmm. trying to create this sense of, I got this. Just decision three, this out, say you don't have it and you acted that way. Well, then that's a big mistake. Say you do have it and you don't act that way. There was very little downside. So yeah. I, I just don't think that there's a lot of reason to act this way. Uh, I, it ultimately does feel a bit like, it's a desire to stay nationally relevant, but you're the premier, and um, I, it would probably be better spent here regardless. I don't know. Maybe Car- That's my maybe personal Carter's feeling.
0: feeling. Maybe Carter's yeah. right. Maybe it's one of the last times he does get to act this way on a national stage in that same regard. I just uh, don't with... feel that he feels he's going to lose, for what it's worth. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't.
1: But it, it's stupid, even if you feel you're going to win, right? Because you can't ever let up. Elections aren't won because you decided you could coast in the last five days, right? The, the, he's still got two uh, another week of voting. Well, I guess three more days of voting. Do you, do you equate you this? 11?
0: Do you equate this to like a party leader leaving the province in the middle of an election? Is that like why you're so disturbed, Piet Carter? Because I, I just a genuine question. Like, do you would you equate this to like t minus what do we have? Ten days, right? T minus ten days. Three I'm going to gonna vote. go to, yeah. Uh, right, we're yeah. three to vote. So three minus three days. Okay, sure. T minus three days. And I'm going to go take a weekend publicly in the nation's capital.
1: Yeah. I don't care if I win or lose is the message that sends. I don't give a shit if I win or lose. Uh, Because if I'm going to win, like you are supposed to be at this moment more than ever serving your constituents. And your constituents aren't at the Manning Center's, you know, strong and free conference with uh, Evan Solomon on the weekend. That's just not the way that it works stay home, make the fucking phone calls, and then put your foot on their throat because that's how politics is played.
0: Corey, there's also the the school of thought that people vote for what they think is going to happen versus what actually might be happening. So projecting a sense of confidence, projecting a sense of I got this, telling the media that it's like game, set, match, might actually sway that final cohort to say, oh, if he's got this, then I guess he's got this, right? Like there is a sense of that, that we've experienced, all of us in some way, politically in the past. But I'll give you final word on this before I move on and, and stick with Alberta. Uh,
2: you know, I think that's worth a deep dive into, uh, it, like from an academic sense, somebody should take this on as a project, because I think that is less true in leadership races. I feel it almost goes the other way in leadership races. People think they got this. Well, if he's got this, I want him to know I'm still unhappy. So I wouldn't necessarily right. want oh, him to lose. I see what you're saying. But I want to send a certain amount of displeasure here. So I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced of that argument maybe but like i said it's it's probably worth an academic deep dive by somebody here i think that one of the things that's hard to miss is in the last week there's been a bit of thought leadership and a couple of pieces and twitter posts about is jason kenney actually like the just the leader of the conservative movement and and just the best thing that's happened to conservatism right mm. and it seems to be a counter narrative against the idea that he's somehow betrayed conservative values reinforcing his conservative agenda in alberta all of the things that he's done you saw uh, Sean Spear wrote a, a column in the National Post about this, right? Not op I suppose. Even
0: on stage at that uh, Manning yeah. Center uh, event, similar comments were made about well, Jason Kenney and so how he gave th- great wide birth to freedom. Yeah. So this is, and, you know, Mike Harris jumping in and
2: talking about how he is the guy who made Alberta the freest of the provinces here. Uh-huh. I, attending a conference like this, weighing in on the conservative movement more generally, reinforces that. So it, it may very well be strategy to say, I've got to show myself as a conservative and a leader of conservatives and remind people I'm not a second choice or a like a red Tory. I'm a blue Tory and I am a conservative who's getting things done. So I, it, it's quite possible it's also part of a strategy there. Is it a good strategy? I don't know, right? We, we lack some of the inputs here, but uh, I do think it's fundamentally a little bit dodgy to leave on the last weekend before votes are due.
0: Carter, I'm going to go to you for our next one. Uh, We're going to go actually to Alberta proper because the United Conservative Party is facing another obstacle uh, in the tumultuous lead up to its announcement of the leadership review on uh, leadership review vote, I should say, on May 18th. As reported by CBC, a letter obtained by CBC shows elections. Alberta is investigating is investigating allegations made about bulk UCP membership purchases. Uh, I want to talk about this story more broadly, but I have to give you a strategy scale question. So my strategy scale question for you, Carter, is we'll talk about this, but I also want to talk about how Brian Jean has now got involved via a spokesperson. Vitor Marciano, an aide working for Jean, confirmed to CBC News that the Jean camp made a complaint at the end of March to Elections Alberta about the concerns that UCP members were purchasing uh, bulk memberships before Bill 81 came into effect, which is a bill that we could talk about that uh he He said they named the Kenny campaign as part of their complaint. Carter. The allegations here are that uh a couple of uh credit cards handful of credit cards purchased large amounts of memberships, bulk purchased memberships. That's the allegations here. But Carter, let's start with the strategy scale question to maintain integrity of this segment, right? Because that's what yeah, matters that's the what most. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, that's what matters most. Yeah. <laughs> scale of one to ten. What are you giving the 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 Gene Camp for commenting on this and for filing this complaint and now owning it so close to uh, to the to the voting deadline? Give me your strategy scale, and then we'll address all elements of what is surely a multi-pronged and very textured story here.
1: Well, ideally, you wouldn't want to own it. Ideally, you just want it to be covered. Uh, in my thinking. Uh, obviously Gene Camp has a little bit different view because they, they got the coverage and then they jumped into the story. Um, they want to be seen as the people who are fighting Jason Kenney. I think that that's a, a stupid move, but you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum on the podcast. So yeah. we think Brian Jean is stupid. Okay, perfect. We've, we've covered that. So let's cover off the strategy. Do I think it was a bad idea to, uh, to, to launch the investigation or make the complaint? Absolutely not. Mm. Um, I mean, we, we'd launched complaints against the Jeff Davison campaign uh, some 10 months ago about the the work that his third-party or, uh, advertising organization was doing for him. Um, you'll note that there has been no decision 10 months later, and we won't, we'll, the problem with this decision process that they've embarked upon is that uh, beginning the investigation does not mean you're going to have a decision in time for the outcome of the election. Uh, it's been four years uh, since the RCMP commenced their investigation into the leadership irregularities in the first leadership that Jason Kenney won and the kamikaze candidate um, and, and, and uh, impersonation of, of potential voters. And it has been uh, 10 months since we saw the investigation start against uh, Jeff Davison. Uh, it's going to be another 10 or 12 or 14 months before we see the outcome of this investigation by Elections Alberta. Therefore. Uh, the gene campaign needed to make sure that it hit the media. If I was running his campaign, I'd have made sure that it hit the media without hitting us. Um, because Mm. I just think that this type of stuff has never seen, you know, Oh good. Um, you know, the tattletale on the schoolyard, uh, is not the most popular person in the schoolyard. Um, Tattle, but stay anonymous is a way better strategy.
2: <laughs> that was Carter's strategy in grade school. Yeah. That's good. Damn That's
1: straight. Good. I get the shit kicked out of me. You if find people, you found you out find people
0: like Corey Hogan who were <laughs> eager to tell on other kids and have his name attached to it. I feel like, Corey, you were yeah. that kid at the playground. But like, I am Corey Hogan <laughs> and I was on the slide. And it's like, oh my God, it just goes from there. Yeah. But Corey's, <laughs>
1: Corey's like a decade younger than me when getting beat up wasn't allowed in school, right? They like, stopped the fights. I, I the fights fucking happened in my era huh? chick kickings all the time
0: thank you for okay. thank you, old man di- dipping, dipping yeah. into some of that trauma
2: the fights happened <laughs> boy. Hey, Cor- hey, Corey,
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the same question let's then let's dig into the story uh strategy scale a marciano gene campaign owning this jumping on it mentioning that kenny was the complainant. you know one thing they did do i will say that the cbc news article as far as my reading you know is, is not definitive on 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 which campaign uh, they're alleging um the letter uh indicated uh was being investigated by elections alberta but the gene campaign and in, in, in vitor and others have just said yes we were part of the one of, we were one of the complainants we did it in march and we mentioned the jason kenny campaign i want you to give you a strategy scale question to that um and then let's discuss the broader implications of this story I, so I'll say when I read the
2: CBC article, the first thing is every time I see reference to the gene campaign, I get a kick out of that. Like the gene campaign for what? The it, it, is it actually an official leadership campaign right now? Like, w- what the hell is this gene campaign? Why are there staff working on a campaign for a job that's not open? Or is it the gene campaign against Jason Kenny? Like, it's just such a wild thing. and. You know, everybody is, is in, the, kind of in their in funny defense. Space. They
0: say an aide working for Gene. Yeah, so, I get it. Right? Okay. So, but, but they, yes, and, know, and, the, it, and it is the, me editorializing that. But the Gene I get what Camp, you're saying, I think,
2: is actually how it is described at a certain yeah, point. Yeah. But
0: you know, I wouldn't want to be
2: attached to this too, too closely, uh, for all of the reasons that was discussed. One of the things, though, um, that I find is unclear to me is. Is this even something that Elections Alberta is allowed to look into? Because the the bulk buying of memberships is no longer legal in Alberta as of March 31st, but the membership cutoff was before that by two weeks, Yeah. right? So, so, you know, there was this really interesting two paragraphs in the CBC article that I just wish I had the original source documents because they did that thing where they, they took a statement and they just sort of paraphrased it to me. But it it says, uh, essentially, the UCP says not been contacted by Elections Alberta, not aware of an investigation. But the next one, the money one is the statement adds that membership purchases are accepted in three ways. And then it goes with someone paying a personal credit card for themselves or family by check or by cash. If that person signs a membership application confirming their identity. The yeah. word R is doing a lot of lifting there. I'm wondering, were they accepted differently before the membership cut off? Because I have no doubt that mm. they are now in compliance with the law. But what was the state of play just before the membership cut off? Were you allowed to purchase memberships in bulk in the UCP? Like legally, obviously, party rules, were you, is the question yeah. that I think somebody really needs to put the screws to the UCP on here because, um, yeah, temporally, I am quite sure they are no longer actively, you know, breaking what is now the law of the land. But that's it would have just been, you know, just best practice, a recommendation, whatever before. And I want to know what the situation was then. So I guess what I would say is elections Alberta is not going to be the competent authority here. These are questions that the party needs to ask. These are questions the media needs to ask, but what is, what is elections Alberta, you know, what are they looking into? I guess an illegal contribution would be the only thing I could actually think of.
0: Carter, zoom out for me. What are the implications here for the Kenny campaign? Is this just another pile on another investigation to Jason Kenny? Like, I don't mean to be so like flip about it, but like, what are the implications here? And do you think if you're on the Kenny side, you actually care about this? You talked to me about the timelines of your complaint on the municipal side. Like, is this just a, a one, two-day story? We move on, we win on the nineteenth, or win on the eighteenth, sorry. Um, and we just power through, or is there real implications here between now and uh and what we what we see? Because we know the we know the gene camp. We know the rebels, if I can call them more uh categorically. In a broader sense, we're going to complain about the rules, complain about the fairness to begin with. Does this really matter to Jason Kenney and his team, Carter?
1: Not if he wins and not if he loses, right? So if he loses, who the fuck <laughs> okay. cares,
0: right? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but if he you, wins, you, do you, like... By, by the way, uh, do you charge by the word?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> you could have... Oh, Carter, you had an opportunity there. You, no, you really blew the, an opportunity.
1: Here's the thing. Can I actually answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. If Excellent. he wins, it's going to be a year before anything comes out. And he <laughs> writes the laws, right? So he can do whatever the hell he needs to do. These are all legisl—these are all laws that were created by the legislature that he's in charge of. Um, they've already fucked around with the Elections Act. They can fuck around more with the Elections Act. On top of that, they could go right into a snap. The odds of this actually being decided before the next election is decided are virtually nil. So the consequences are irrelevant. There is no consequence for this type of accusation in this type of investigation because it moves so fucking slowly. Um, so it doesn't matter. Um, and if he, you know, if he loses, he fucks off. He doesn't give a shit. So, you know, like this is, this is, um, you know, it it it's not heads. I win tails. You lose type of thing, but it is, it's inconsequential in the overall scheme of things.
2: Corey,
0: you want to get in on here?
2: Yeah. Um, I think it, Probably doesn't matter that much to Jason Kenney for for the reasons that Stephen said. Also, as a aside here, we really need to talk about how long these elections investigations take because at a certain point, I I mean, political careers end before these things actually come to conclusion. And so they, they hold no consequence. They hold no relevance. They need to move much faster for people actually to feel like they will hold political parties to account. But it matters in one big way, and it's probably the reason why Brian Jean was in the story, and this goes back Mm. to your original question, which is it's foreshadowing if after May 19th, Jason Kenney wins, doesn't win by a lot, say he wins by fewer than 4,000 votes, for example, right? Well, then that's a pretty good reason to take your ball and go home, leave citizen independent, start some sort of other process against the leader. You know, I mean... The UCP bylaws could literally – you could have a situation where the president say, not good enough, do it again, right? And so they just hit Mm -hmm. the exact same resolution and have the exact same 23 go forward and say, we're now asking you to do one properly. This was a farce. Here are the 18 reasons it was a farce. You said it was only safe in person. You then changed it from in person. You changed those rules after the fact. You allowed bulk purchase of memberships by one party but not by all parties. You delayed the introduction of uh, of laws that would protect us from a situation like that until after the membership cut off. I, I mean, you can almost imagine it being you know nailed to a church door like these are our problems. How likely do you. you
0: think that's going to happen? Though, I think Corey? very unlikely. Mm. I think it's
2: very unlikely because at a certain point, people need to put their pants on and get ready for the election. But if you're Brian Jean and you're thinking that you want to at least have the opportunity to continue to kick things up down the road, you've got to... It can't come out of left field, especially if your last word on all of this previously had been, we don't think these irregularities will change the outcome, which is what his last word was prior to this piece. So in some ways, this is a bit of a revision
0: from that. Yeah, it is. It is. When he said, I think he said some 90 some percent or it seems to be legitimate. Um, you know, if that is indeed the case, we are well on our way to victory, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Carter, what are you doing if you're in the gym camp? OK, so they're in the story now. Now that the story's out there. It's a story that tells their version of things. At least one would expect it tells a, a version more aligned with with where their heads are at. Are they just putting this on blast? Are they are they fundraising off of this? Are they trying to get it into the the remaining the the minds of the remaining voters? Are they trying to make it public? Like, what are you advising? Because many things you can do now that you've got. If you could, if you call this political ammo, or if you call this a nugget, there's many ways to disperse this. Many strategies. What would you, be yours? to help them with their aims and their ends
1: ignore it and get the vote out you got you, they got the article it's over now move on
0: you'd spend don't no pick, resources no time pumping it up giving another giving it more wind giving it a second life it's
1: not big enough in the election question people who believe he's a cheater are already voting for you so you've already got another you've got another message that you can use um but you don't need to dig into the story. All you need is that one link to send out to potential voters and just send that link out. Uh, get those voters out. Do your GOTV. This is GOTV time. This isn't fuck about time. This is GOTV. Get your vote out. If you can't get the vote out, you're going to lose. So focus on the thing that actually ensures victory. And this is, I think, where a lot of people make big mistakes is when they don't focus on um, the 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 actual... Did- winning of elections
0: do you feel like if they focused on the story it'd be kind of like focusing on on an insurance plan or a plan b versus plan a which is if we outright win we win is that is that a fair comparison to make carter
1: well i think that it, you the only way to win is to win like the only like <laughs>
0: like <laughs> we got another mug people no but <laughs> right it,
2: this
1: this bullshit of you know for within four thousand votes or for within four points or for yeah, yeah yeah no. right You've got to get fifty percent plus one. If you get fifty percent plus one, that's the only way that Jason Kenney's not going to step down.
0: Right? I listen. I, I make a lot or of fun. Will of you. step
1: down. I make yeah. a lot
0: of fun of you, Carter. But that is that is clear-eyed strategy here. Like that is that does make good sense. That there is a goal, and this could potentially be a distraction. Corey, I want to see if you agree though. If you're the Gene camp, you're in this story. You got this story. It's now socialized. Let's say amongst a small group because it's put out over the weekend. That that in your letter you've identified Kenny as the campaign that um, you feel like may have made some of these purchases. Are you spending any resources to put this on blast, to put it out there, to increase its circulation, distribution, or or are you focused on 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 the Stephen Carter strategy here?
2: Maybe, but probably not so much through the media anymore. I might be mm. driving this through different channels, using it um, in my conversations with those undecided voters, saying, "Listen, we need you because." if he otherwise he's going to win dirty you've got to make your opinion known it's uh or or whatever like this is these are the accusations they're going to put out there i don't have a damn clue how accurate any of these are they all sound a bit um you know par for the course but also outlandish because outlandish is par for the course around here uh i i think though their hope is that the media will pick up and run with it and go further and start asking tough questions but it's, you know, I, I'll go back to what I said last week, and I think it's still important and it's still relevant. This is over, you know, I, there are three days left to vote. And while those are three important days, and you wouldn't want to take your foot off the gas, almost everybody has voted who's going to have voted at this point, right? Mm. There'll be this surge at the end of people who drop off memberships to those local collection places that Jason Kenny arranged to, or like I should, the UCP arranged to allow. Mm. Uh, but that's it. I mean, what what do we think? I, I I'm dying to know the actual number. What what do we think? Ninety percent of the vote is in now.
0: Maybe eighty on the lowest low end. Eighty five. what do you think? What do you think from from you from mapping out trajectories of voting and late voters? What what do you think?
1: There's no way Corey's wrong on this. You know, it's got to be eighty five, ninety percent. Hmm. Um, you know, but the question for me is: If let's, let's say that's eighty, that's ninety five percent. How close is it? Right. If 95 percent of your potential vote is in and it's still within a couple points and you got to work 5% on that, matters a lot. That 5 yeah. percent matters. So yeah. for me, I'd be working right down to the end because it's inverted from a regular election. A regular election, advanced polls open and then you have kind of like a big day and then it lets go for a little bit. But your biggest day is always election day. Yeah. Um, in a leadership, your biggest day is the first day that the voters, the votes open. Because you've got a hyper-engaged audience. So that was with. the most yeah. important day. But your last three days are still important. If you can get disproportionately more votes out in the last three days, that could be the difference. And that's where I'd be focusing my attention.
2: Corey? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's... <laughs> we, again, we talked about this last week. If this was an intentional strategy by the GN Camp to bring this into in the last couple of days... This, this notion of an October surprise, I think it was a bad one. I think they should have brought it in two weeks mm. earlier when it could have affected more votes. And uh, at this point, I do think that its effect, even if it were to be a bombshell in the UCP, is going to be minimized by the fact most people have cast their ballots. So it's less about changing. Here's my thing. If they think it's about changing the outcome, I think that they did this wrong. I don't know that it is, though. I think this is about sowing doubt so that whatever they do after this vote, They've got the latitude to do it because their previous statements on this were, we're just going to sort of accept the process as it is.
0: Carter, I need your practitioner brain to wrap us up from this particular topic, which is um, the, the 11th, three days, right? So we're GOTV final stretch. We've talked about it last week. We've talked about it today that more than likely the folks that have not voted yet, the least engaged of the membership, those who probably never plan to vote. These are not the folks that probably signed up to go to Red Deer in person, one would assume. Those folks, as you've just mentioned, already voted. What is your What is your practitioner brain telling you for either side, the Rebels or for Team Kenny, around how they engage the less engaged or the slightly less engaged amongst an engaged membership, one would say? what well, what advice would you give across the board? I, I'm not going to make this for one camp or the other. What advice would you give across the board to bring those people out?
1: Well, I, I'd be playing to emotions, and the emotion I would be using is fear, Um, If you're Jason and ironically, I think it's the same type of question for each each side to put forward. People are going to fall into two camps. Uh, I mean, obviously for or against Kenny, but why are you for or against Kenny? Right. You could be for Kenny because you want to win the next election. And I think this is the less engaged group, the less engaged group that have bought memberships in the UCP part in the UCP, because you have to buy the membership. Right. Like this isn't, you know, or or it's been given gifted to you. through the largesse of of jason kenny's crew but the whatever happens you know like you're right now if you're afraid of an ndp government right you could be convinced that jason kenny is the only person standing between you and an ndp government he was the only person that could bring the parties together and he's the only person who can keep the parties together look at how fucked up this thing has been he's at least held it together Mm. Um, for this four years. And if you want to head into an election with strong leadership, then you got to count on Jason Kenney. And the other side of it is this thing's falling apart. Jason Kenney hasn't been able to lead this group. And on top of that, he's sacrificed our core values, which means that it doesn't matter if we win the election or not, because our core values are never going to be served by Jason Kenney. So we have to get our we have to get things back, back on track for the next election. That's the beauty of this particular timing. It is one year until you have, you know, less than a year now until you are mandated to have the election. So, you know, let's go. This is about that election. This isn't about do you like Jason Kenny or not? This is about are your values being served or are you afraid of the NDP? Th- that's it. Those are the ballot questions that I'd be pushing on for this lesser engaged group because these people believe in conservatism.
0: Corey, same question to you to round it out. What's your advice to, to mobilize the less engaged of the engaged, i.e. the membership of this group yeah. in the final days?
2: I mean, that's the important point, Zane. We call them less engaged, but they've purchased a membership. They're, yeah. they're yeah. more engaged than the average person. I, you know, the, the group is smaller. One of the blessings of being in these last days when 85, 90% of the vote in, is in is that there's this much smaller pool. You know what could really motivate somebody who's just not that normally engaged, but could become engaged? I don't know a call from a premier, a cabinet minister, an MLA, you know, an important person who can say, hey, listen, uh, Frank, I noticed that uh, you haven't voted yet. And I get that. I mean, a lot of us are not that enthusiastic about things right now. But here's the brass tacks. I know you, Frank, and I know that you want to win this next election. And I know you saw what happened when the the right was split before, you know, with the PC party and the Wild Rose beating each other up. Uh, well, the NDP came up the middle and you know who brought us together? Jason Kenney. And he needs your support right now. And I need your support right now, Frank, because I'm not looking forward to being a backbench MLA on the opposition side. I want to continue driving that conservative agenda. I know you care about Frank and call like that from an important person, make you feel like they know you and they care about you and they're talking to you. Well, that's going to get somebody off, uh, you know, off their ass and and go vote.
0: Nicely done, guys. I'm going to move it on to our final one in our strategy scale. It's a biggie. Justin Trudeau met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv with the surprise visit that he made today with the Deputy Prime Minister and the Foreign Affairs Minister. Corey, the surprise trip on the strategy scale. He's joined a, a long list of now, uh, you know, uh, state leaders to to jump in. But he also made comments while he was there. He said, Uh, It's now clear that Russian President Vladimir Putin is responsible for heinous war crimes, quote unquote, following this surprise visit. Corey, on the strategy scale, the visit and the comments uh, from Justin Trudeau, what do you give it?
2: There is a certain Me Too feeling to it in the sense of like a lot of other leaders have been there. And so now he's going to go and uh, do his version of it. And I I have to say, like his actual substantive announcement going with it, I think was $50 million of additional support Mm -hmm. to Ukraine. Looks kind of shitty next to the many billions that the United States is giving. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. get that they're ten times the economy, but doesn't mean we need to do one one hundredth of what they do, right? Just to just to do some rough math here. So I I don't know that it I don't know that it's going. To, if he was the first, God, it would be amazing. If it was like Boris you know, Johnson, you mean exactly yeah. like, like Boris. Right? But at yeah. this point, so much of the G seven leadership has gone in some way, shape, or form that it just doesn't carry the same sort of weight and. Uh, you know, Jill Biden was that Jill Biden, not Joe Biden was there today. Um, you had the uh, the president of the, the German parliament, not the president of Germany, but the president of the mm-hmm. German parliament there. And at a certain point, it just it starts to feel like that's there is a moment always with these kinds of things. And I guess this is kind of a broader strategy point where th- there's a massive first mover advantage. Right. Of course, the pictures of Boris Johnson there. As much as you might think Boris Johnson's a bit of a bit of a clown sometimes, you know, he really <laughs> he walking around in downtown Kiev in a suit, which was at that point, even much more so an
0: active war zone was kind of yes.
2: silly, but we all remember it, right? We of definitely we remember that yep. he was there.
0: We talked about it on our live show. We talked we about sure it afterwards. Did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Um, at a certain point, it becomes, why haven't you gone? Once all of the other leaders have gone. And I think that Justin Trudeau got in just before the, why haven't you gone? right? Mm. Uh, that, that's the best I can say about this. He didn't go at the moment where people were saying, well, about effing time, but he doesn't get any extra bonus points for it. He doesn't get a ton of credit for it. I, I did think it was great that uh, Melanie Jolie and uh, Christian Freeland were with him. I yeah. thought it was very bad as a Canadian that this leaked out to the press before he was out of the country. I continue to think that the the domestic politics that drive this and make leaders want to go there is is contributing to a tinderbox i want to support ukraine but it my my imagination goes dark and i think what the hell would we do if something happened to our prime minister what would happen in this country if something happened to our prime minister uh who who was there you know as uh ukraine media is getting a bit loose they're so used to leaders coming now apparently yeah they don't feel that bad about talking when they're still on the ground um i don't know i mean i i let carter go i I think the theater of it alarms me. Uh, I think the strategy of it from a political point, the best you can say is it won't be a negative. I don't think he's going to get a ton of points for it. Carter,
0: on the strategy scale, both the visit and the statement of now, uh, this is, I guess, the harshest statement I've heard from Trudeau thus far about saying Vladimir Putin is responsible for heinous war crimes, quote unquote. Carter, your take?
1: I think he had to go. I think that Corey's right that if he if he'd waited another two weeks, there would have been a lot of "Why haven't you gone?" I think there was a a a small murmur of "Why hasn't he gone?" that was starting to develop in Ottawa and starting to develop within within people who follow these things. Um, You know, it'll be a good photo. Um, So you know, good photos are good. You should you should take them. Uh, But this isn't going to change the outcome in Ukraine. Uh, And the fact that he was. You know, it does feel like everybody and their dog is going right now. So, you know, when Zelensky is supposed to actually fight this war? um, And I'm, I'm still, you know, I know that we gave them some uh, some amped up artillery. I would have liked to have, you know, had another announcement about, you know, a really, you know, here's where, you know, it's here. It's doing the job. I would have liked a little bit more of the here's how our aid is working.
0: Corey, I have a question for you on this. Is, is is Brought up by what Carter said, which is good photo ops are good. Yeah, uh, I, I added that Just to my throw, list of uh, great Stephen Coder quotes. The only <laughs> way to win is to fire win. Fire today. Good no, it's good. Good. It's, I'm on fire today. I'm on fire today. However, guys don't appreciate there, it. there is something to be said about what Carter brought up here, which is uh, the longstanding uh, trap, perhaps, that Trudeau falls into regarding symbolism. Good at symbolism, bad at execution, or underwhelming on execution. At the same time, if you're the conservatives, if you're Pierre or Charest or whatnot, it's really hard to take a swipe at a leader for for doing what others have. How are you torquing this or are you torquing this if you're on the conservative side, knowing that that symbolism argument is available to you, but is it too early? Is it too fresh? Can you do it? I'm curious to get your take on this in terms of how the opposition deals with you know, Trudeau showing up and then giving a, a paltry 50, I believe it's 50 million. I'll confirm before we, we end it uh, in terms of the aid. Yeah, I mean, 50 million is not paltry, but I, I do think it is underwhelming for
2: sure. Right. Um. So I saw Sharae's response to this on Twitter. I didn't see Poliev's. Um, but Sharae's response was, was what I would have recommended, which is it's really good. Our prime minister went there. We need to stand with Ukrainians, mm-hmm. but we got to do more. Now, what are we going to oh. do to follow up, right? Yeah. That's, that's the, that's that is the message. That's what you got to say. That, uh,
1: that's Pardon? exactly what I was going to say. I <laughs> loved Sheree's message. I thought it was bang on and it had the right tone. It, it happened quick enough. And it wasn't just that petulant attack on the prime minister. It It, built, it, was, it was country building and, and it also showed what he would do instead of what the other guy did. Loved it.
0: I need to. I said this was going to be the last one. I've got one more to throw, on, throw to you guys on the strategy scale. Carter, this goes to Candace Bergen. Now, when after telling her caucus not to comment on Roe v. Wade in the United States, she came out with her own statement saying, quote, when it comes to the debate in Canada, access to abortion was not restricted under PM Harper and the CPC will not introduce legislation or reopen the abortion debate. Your take on her strategy of her message right there saying initially, don't comment. We're not going to say anything, probably knowing what's under the hood of that caucus, at least with a few folks, and then saying, listen, bringing Harper back into the question, saying that the debate is ultimately settled. We will not introduce any new legislation to reopen it. Your take on the strategy scale of interim leader Candace Bergen and the Conservative Party of Canada.
1: I think it's the right thing to do. I think that what you do is you tell your caucus you're not allowed to speak, and then you speak on behalf of the party uh, with a unified position that is that is settled. The problem is um, it's not settled. Uh, the, the membership of the Conservative Party still does not have that. The, the MPs within the Conservative Party don't accept that, uh, which does not mean that there aren't MPs in the in the Liberal Party and there aren't A- MPs in, in in the NDP that don't accept this either. I mean, there are people from across the spectrum that have very strong opinions on on abortion, but th- that is the right position for the Conservatives, the Liberals, and the NDP to take. This is decided. This is decided and we're not going to relitigate it, period.
0: Corey, what do you think the statement from interim leader Bergen when it comes to the debate in Canada access to abortion was not restricted under Harper and the CPC will not introduce legislation to reopen the abortion debate?
2: Uh, I mean, it it is the thing that you want to say. It's not the most comforting thing in the world. I mean, it was supposedly Mm. decided in the United States. A couple of those Supreme Court justices who just decided the other way, declared it decided before this all went down. And it's really kind of funny to suggest that it is settled in Canada in a context because our settling it was just to not pick up the ball when the court struck down, uh, you know, our legislation in the late eighties that, you know, there were, there was no sort of like new legislation that sort of came in and enshrined it. It's been an artful dodge of it for the last 30 years in Canada uh, by all political parties, because they were, they were afraid to touch that and, and potentially antagonize various constituents there. So, I mean, like, it's settled by default. I do believe it is more settled here than it is in the United States, in a funny way. Uh, but, uh, but you know, also the debate about abortion in Canada is not the same as the debate about abortion in the United States. And I think many Canadians would be surprised by how somewhat limited access to abortion is relative mm. to to what it is in blue states in the United States. Uh, there's only so many places in most provinces that perform you know abortions, and uh, there are. There are challenges with people who protest outside of the clinics, those limited number of clinics throughout Canada. The the bar to which you can get an abortion, the number of weeks is uh, lower than it is in a lot of those blue states in the United States. We tend to look at the, this is one of these classic things we do as a Canadian, where we look at the American issue, we immediately assume where we are relative to America because we're Canada. Um, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's different here, and I actually think, in a funny way, if you if you want access to reproductive rights, you shouldn't consider it settled here in Canada. Like you shouldn't mm-hmm. assume that where our baseline is is actually that awesome of a place. I guess is what I'm trying to get out here,
0: Carter. I know you wanted to respond to this, but I have a question for you, which is the strategy here around um, the Conservatives. In addition to that statement I just read to you, right about uh, what PM Harper did. They also said it would be inappropriate to comment on matters before the U.S. courts. It would be inappropriate to comment on U.S. politics. That sort of broader sort of like cocktail of like we don't we don't. What do you kind of think of that as political positioning? Do you feel like that is just too short term in order to to actually hold any muster? So either resp- either ideally both respond to what Corey said here, but also this this positioning of it'd be inappropriate to comment on matters before the U.S. courts. That's why we will be refraining from commenting on the leaked opinions, etc.
1: That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. I mean, we can comment on anything we want to comment on. Uh, if it's outside, I mean, if it's in the Canadian courts, we are constrained in some fashions, uh, although we tend to, to lawyer up way more, uh, than we actually have to. Um, if the matter is before the courts, we use that as a convenient, uh, you know, excuse for not actually having to comment. If it, it's just bullshit. If, if you want to say, you know, this is a bad decision by a, by someone. You can say that yeah. because you say that about everything else.
2: The war in Ukraine is ongoing. I would hate to give an opinion about I it before to, it's concluded. Yeah, I can't speak about <clears throat> that.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, um, the softwood lumber uh, dispute is ongoing. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm unable to comment on it. It's a, uh, it's front a of decision the by a foreign government.
2: Yeah. Well, I can't stupid. really say that, uh, you know, Putin is a war criminal because, of course, the ICJ hasn't come to that conclusion yet. So TBD.
0: Yeah. Point made. We're going to leave that segment, then move it on to our final segment, our over, under, and our lightning round. Stephen Carter, we start with you, overrated, underrated. The political, the domestic political significance, I should phrase, of Trudeau visiting Kyiv today, uh, overrated or underrated, Stephen Carter?
1: I think it's overrated. I think that uh, he waited too long. I think if he'd done it uh, much closer to Boris Johnson's initial visit, or even ideally um, a day or two before that, he would have been seen as a real leader. He's uh, he's you know at the exact same level as the first lady of the United States, and uh, that's not great if you're one of the G seven uh, leaders.
0: Quite overrated or underrated domestic political significance of Trudeau's surprise visit today to the uh, to Ukraine? Well, I think overrated
2: as well for um, for the reasons I was saying, which is it's just he's. He's done it before. People have started really clamoring for it, but not much more than that.
0: Corey, I'm going to stick with you. Overrated or underrated the GOTV over the course of the next three days uh, in the UCP leadership review? Uh, overrated or underrated, The uh, you know, knows the grandstone, the, the work that's required. What do you think?
2: I think it's both, depending on how you Mm. want to look at it, right? It is overrated in the sense that most of the votes are already going to have been mailed in or effectively locked in. Let's just say votes locked in because some of them are just in Canada Post making their way through the system. But it's underrated in the sense that if you've waited this long, you actually probably are a fairly ambivalent voter. So your ability to be persuaded is probably higher. And so uh, this is a time where you do want to take action. And the whole reason you gave the ability to drop votes off locally was to get these last-minute voters. And there is a group of people who just make these decisions at the last possible moment. So both camps will be wanting to go get them.
0: Carter, we won't be – next time we record, everyone will have voted in the UCP Leadership Review. So the next couple of days, overrated or underrated, the the final three-day stretch of the GOTV here.
1: I suspect it's overrated because I think Corey's correct. I I think that 95% of people have voted and I don't think it's going to be within five points. So I think that the people who are casting their ballots at the end um, may be doing so futilely. uh, But I think that it's, you know, I could be so wrong on this. I mean, it could be a 54, 46, could be 52, 48. No one knows. Uh, So because no one knows, I'd be getting my vote out. And one other thing, Kenny's knowledge, Corey said this earlier. Kenny's knowledge of the situation, I think, it might be seriously misjudged. Uh, and I go back to when Ralph Klein faced this exact same thing; they were shocked when they got a fifty-five percent because everybody told them, "I'm voting for you, Ralph." Well, I think a lot of people have said to Jason Kenny, "I voted for you, Jason Kenny," and he they put a fucking knife in his back.
0: We've heard that in many leadership reviews. Classic case, of course, with Tom Mulcair. So the leadership review in Edmonton, where yeah. you know many folks reported he was. Feeling like he was going to coast to victory and outright lost that one. Carter, I'm going to stick with you for our next one. This is, of course, a reaction to a Corey Hogan tweet, which we like to do, but it's a fascinating topic. I want to spend more on <laughs> After Pierre Pauly ever said, you know, we need more control of our money. We need less institutional control. Crypto has lost 23% of its market cap, uh, a $275 billion drop. Is this... Is this a political problem for Pierre Polyarif on a scale to 1 to 10? Tell me how much it is. One, it's not an issue. 10, it's a massive issue for a guy that's been now joining Crypto Bros at the hip. What sort of political problem is this for Pierre Polyarif?
1: It should be a big problem. It should be a big problem because, you know, the financial systems that we live within have amazing impact on us as individuals, but we're unaware of them because it's this big macro thing that happens to us. And we're all very much caught up in our little micro worlds where, you know, what happens around the world and transactions around the world and the, you know, the the rise and fall of our currency doesn't really, we don't feel it that broadly, but it has major impact. And if we had done what Pierre Polyev has suggested, it would be a bad thing and people should hold him to account, but they're not going to because he's just like Trump and he's 46 issues in and uh, he just continues to rail on the one thing that makes the more sense now. Crypto was going to save us from inflation, but it doesn't matter because Justin Trudeau created inflation. Justin Trudeau, bad. Pierre, good. He's a simple man with simple messages.
0: Corey, what do you think? On a scale of one to 10, how big of a problem is this for Pierre? I should also mention that David Dodge today said that what he was saying is total bullshit. He used that word on television. In addition to saying that he doesn't know, I don't know what he's talking about and neither does he. What do you think? How big of a political problem?
2: Um, I don't think it'll be a big one because the world keeps turning. I Interesting. I don't think that it, the problem is that Pierre Poliev doesn't know what he's talking about. I think he might know what he's talking about, but he's willing to say the thing that the group wants him to say. That's my big concern here. The idea that you would move your money into cryptocurrencies in order to in- protect yourself against inflation and the volatility of inflation is very, very oh, bad it's advice. So it's just malpractice. Um, the, the reality is Bitcoin is up a lot since mm-hmm. it was created uh, over a decade ago now. A lot, a lot. And you could have become a millionaire many times over if you got on that uh, train early on, but it is not a stable, you know, <laughs> it's not a stable asset in any way, shape or form as evidenced by the fact it's dropped a quarter of its value since that comment was made a month ago. A quarter of its value. Mm -hmm. It's down now half from its peak. So if you bought in at the very peak of Bitcoin, you have now lost half of your money, at least on paper. And maybe you hold, maybe you do great over the long run. But this is your protection against inflation? Get the fuck out of here. That's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Uh, There were a couple of wags on Twitter doing the calculations, and it's like the equivalent of 1,300% inflation annualized over the past month, right? like this is this is not a stable this is not a stable asset, and while it might be an investment that you want to consider if you're a sophisticated investor and you're thinking about these things, not my cup of tea, uh probably more for the environmental consequences than anything else um it, you 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 gotta know that that it is highly speculative. It is a highly speculative asset class. It's like buying a junk bond, you don't know if it'll be there tomorrow, you might be very rich tomorrow. And you can't you can't do this with money you can't afford to lose. And my fear is who Pierre Poliev was talking to was not highly speculative investors who would otherwise be looking at junk bonds. He was talking to everyday Canadians who were thinking, boy, inflation's tough. I wish I had something that would shield me against inflation. And they got fucked. And so the real question for me is how many people actually took him up on that a month and change ago? And how are mm. they feeling about Pierre Poliev today?
0: Corey, I'm gonna I'm gonna end with the, start the last question with you here, which is in our previous episode 987, our Patreon exclusive. We did a deep dive on that first conservative leadership debate. Uh, it was weird. It was fiery. It was to use Jason Kenny's uh, word, it was fierce. Uh how did it age, Corey? From from uh, when we recorded uh, last week to uh, to this Sunday, has that debate aged well? Yes or no?
2: It hasn't aged well. I I think the consensus has come that it was bad for the conservatives. Right? Uh, it May have been okay for individual candidates and in their presentation, but bad for the party overall. And you saw Scott Atchison kind of double down on taking. Well, by the his way, if you don't know, party.
0: was one of the candidates on the stage, folks? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is a problem for him more generally. That they yes, needed to give that clarity. Um, <laughs> but he, on Twitter, he was saying nobody's going to vote for this party if they watch this. This is crazy. You can't talk to each other and to, ca- to Canadians like that. And um, I suspect there will be a moderation of tone back in the next debate. There has to be uh, because it's just too self-destructive.
0: Does there have to be Carter? Do you think Pierre is going to continue on the same track and ignore all of the collective, this is not healthy for the party advice, which by the way, today also includes an op-ed from Peter McKay, uh, which which probably... Uh, goes in the overrated column of uh, of what uh, Pierre Polyev will, will be listening to. But Carter, does it change? And how did it age? Finish us off here. I think
1: it aged very poorly. I think that Pierre Polyev will never change. He will do the exact same thing because he has been skippy from the beginning of time, and he will be skippy until the end of his time.
0: We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 988 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as yeah. always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter and we'll see you next time.
1: Are you missing the strategists on Thursdays? That's because you are not a Patreon supporter. If you were a Patreon supporter, you could watch us live as we record all of our podcasts. You could get Thursday episodes which are free to our Patreon supporters, and you can get so much more by becoming patrons. You got to join. Go to www.patreon.com/strategistpod and you can join The Strategist Patreon community. We've even got a Discord. You guys should totally do this.